It's it's Dune, by the way. It's not Dune. It's, right. I just want to make Dune. Yeah, it's, like juice. No, like Dune. Like okay, like so Dune. Dune. Like okay. like Dune. Dune. Yeah. Anyway, so the <laughs> um, I think that's important because. Whoa, 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 what were we talking about? I was talking about Dune. <laughs> There's a crusade coming. Do you often dream things that happen just as you dream them? Yes. Okay, so there's a new movie, June, which is a big new movie that's come out. And I watched it and I found it kind of hilarious. I was pretty much laughing at various inappropriate points in the movie. <laughs> and my friend was watching me like, dude, what are you, what are you laughing at? Uh, and I tried to explain it in the movie, um, which didn't go well with the, with the people behind us. But basically, what I found <laughs> hilarious was that um, throughout it, they started randomly using Islamic and Arabic terminology. Mm. And uh, I was not prepared for that at all. Mm. Uh, and it just, they just kept on dropping in like Mahdi and Lisan al Ghaib and all these kinds of things. And I was like, what's going on? Um, so I went and looked into <laughs> it afterwards. And it turns out actually that these, this is, these Islamic themes were huge in June. Mm. And what I thought would be interesting would be for us to explore what were... Um, uh, Frank Herbert is that his name? Yeah Frank Herbert was the yeah. author Yeah. what were his thoughts on Islam hmm. and why did he weave it into uh, Dune so much Yeah. and also what does the movie get right and wrong so we're going to go through Frank Herbert's thoughts and then we're going to go through some things that are, are right and wrong about the movie in terms of its Islamic content and I think that's actually very useful to, to stick around and to actually watch because it will illuminate a lot of things in the geopolitical world and in the wider religious context yeah. that we have today uh, from terrorism to reformist movements, etc. Yeah, yeah, So So um, let's go to Frank Herbert's actual words see what on he this. Says, yeah. yeah, let's see what he says. Islam, of course. Islam is a very strong uh, uh, element of the, um, uh, of the whole trilogy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> We tend in this uh, culture not to study Islam and not to recognize how much it has com- contributed to our culture mm-hmm. uh, because uh, of the uh, religious wars out of which our present consciousness has come, the awareness. But we owe Islam um, enormous debts of gratitude. So, I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, is, is he right, do you feel? In, in saying that, does does our civilization, our culture, have an enormous debt to Islam? Yeah, I think I think it's among educated people. I think they now increasingly recognise that. Yeah, this was like the sixties. This right? is like so the sixties. So the I think in those times, in particular, there was much less awareness of that. Mm. Um, and it's nice to play that because it shows that we're not just making this up and you know mm. saying, oh well, you know, in a way, Islamically appropriating this in a way and saying, yeah. oh yeah, this is all about Islam actually. Yeah. You no, know, this is Frank Herbert himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was his perspective and he was the author of the books. I mean, that interview is like a kind of replay of an interview he did in the middle of the 20th century, you know, 50, 60 years ago. So yeah. it's not, um, I think at that time there was a much less awareness of the role that Islam had played in developing civilization. He seems like a person who is very keenly aware of that. I don't know how it came to his attention yeah. and, and what motivated him to even write a massive sci-fi series about it. So that's a very interesting perspective, especially in a society today where... I think a lot of people think that Islam is... Some people seem to think Islam is like, you know, on the way out, especially yeah, yeah. amongst the new atheists. They think, oh, this is, you know, the time which Islam will have its back broken. I mean, mm. Despite the fact that Islam and Muslims are... The conversion rate is the highest in the West for Foster Islam religion, yeah. than any other religion. But it's interesting that this guy presents a completely different view and that people are still making movies about this. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and it's quite a positive, it's a bit like the Black Panther movie. It's a bit like, it's a, a little bit like the Black Panther moment for black people in a sense, for Dune for yeah. Muslims. Because, this is a winger. <laughs> <laughs> because like the Black Panther thing was like, yeah, so we're going to see like an African nation, which is truly like very highly technologically advanced, etc. And so it was a completely new and fresh thing. Yeah. And for Muslims here, we're seeing in a movie effectively, you know, a surrogate for Muslims. That's what it, they depict and what, that's what they represent. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's discuss the things that it got right and things that got wrong now one of the things that they spoke about which i which i was just watching it like what is going on where they said um uh he's he's the mahdi he's the mahdi he's the mahdi yeah they said right. the mahdi right yeah. and i was like what <laughs> what is going on <laughs> why are they talking about the mahdi yeah and then they were talking about lisan al ghaib you know which means like the uh the the tongue of the unknown or the word of the unknown kind of thing yeah so uh and throughout it they've got they're saying all these prophecies and the and the native people who are like these bedouins yeah are basically um like sizing him up yeah and if you remember they're sizing him up literally mm, mm. and they're recognizing oh he's fulfilling the prophecies and, and yeah. these, pretty these kinds of things. pretty naff prophecies i must say <coughs> yeah. he shall come with his mother okay well great so a guy stepped off a plane with his mom fulfills the prophecy well he shall dress like you so he's gonna dress like you when he's coming to your country that's fascinating <laughs> i mean he did his best i mean <laughs> vaguely plausible ish um no. ish but yeah so what is this concept of the mahdi is it real and does it figure in Muslims' thinking today? Yeah, it's a massive, massive feature of Islamic theology relating to what are known in Islam as the latter days. Yeah. So the latter days signify a period of of degeneration of Muslims, mm-hmm. morally, spiritually, civilizationally, mm-hmm. economically, politically, in every sphere. The Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was well known. These, so these are the prophecies of the Quran and of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Um, to give you a small taste or a small, small example of this, mm-hmm. the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said that it is in Mushkat al-Masabi, uh, Kitab al-Ilm, the book of knowledge. Says there will, he said, there will come a time upon the people when nothing will remain of Islam except its name and nothing will remain of the Quran except its inscription. Mosques will be splendidly furnished but destitute of guidance. The religious scholars, the divines, will be the worst creatures under the canopy of heaven. Mm. Strife will issue from them and return to them. Then in Tirmidhi, very famous uh, collection of the sayings of the Prophet Muhammad, he stated, as, he recorded as saying, in the end of time, there will come a people young in years, foolish in minds, reciting the Quran, which will not go beyond their throats. In other words, they'll just be able to recite it well. Yeah. It'll be a formulaic thing. But they uh, won't understand the spirit yeah, or the meanings. Exactly. Or the teachings. Uttering sayings from the best of creatures, okay? Yeah. Going through the religion as an arrow goes through the target. In other words, they barely spend any time mm. actually understanding comprehending and living in the religion they go in and they come out the other end yeah which is what we see today let's be honest right yeah that's absolutely, that's absolutely right. you know you see it's a picture perfect picture of the world of the of the muslim, of the muslim world, world unfortunately yeah. um so many muslim majority nations uh have so much corruption they're so engrossed in materialism yeah and they are the centers of disorder and disunity rather than of peace and order which is what islamic civilization is supposed to be yeah busy warring amongst themselves more than anything else actually. exactly yeah yeah absolutely Absolutely. And, and the, the the concept of the Mahdi, so where does that tie in? So the point is, is that Islam claims to be a living religion, mm. claims to be a religion which God himself takes care of. Mm. And that though we have a scripture which is perfect in the sense that it's unchanged and it fulfills all the needs for guidance yeah. for humanity, um, God doesn't just send down books. He sends down messengers who are living examples of those teachings. Mm. and so Models, it, examples. Yeah, examples, models, exactly. Mm. And so the Prophet Muhammad basically explained that even though the Quran will be there, he says the Quran 
you know, well, nothing will remain of the Quran except its inscription, mm-hmm. which shows that it's not enough just to have a teaching. You need to have a living example as to how to live out that teaching, a model as to how to live out that teaching. Yeah. And so what he said is he prophesied that the Mahdi will come. Yeah. And the Mahdi simply means, which is features in Dune, doesn't it? The yeah. name Mahdi. Um, it, feature, uh, it means the guided one. So it means the one who is guided directly by God. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so th- what it means is that a person will come who will be guided by God in the latter days and he will... Uh, be the representative of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, in that yeah. light, later age, mm-hmm. and that he will, in actual fact, bring the Muslims back to the correct interpretation and practice of Islam. And how does that tie into the idea of, um, you know, a lot of Muslims have this idea that Jesus is coming back, peace be upon him. Jesus is literally going to come back, the Messiah is going to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then a lot of Muslims learn, especially kind of Sunni and Shia Muslims, that Jesus and the the Mahdi are going to like team up or something. Yeah, yeah. And then there's going to be like some kind of big war. I mean, just just talk about the, the Jesus aspect of things. Well, I think, well, the, the general conception among Sunnis and Shias is that um, there'll be the second coming of Christ Hmm. Um, like literally like literally like 2000 years ago you know the Christian concept basically take the Christian concept of the second coming yeah. right the, the, and just be like oh he'd be Muslim and just be like he's a Muslim <laughs> right and that is the, that is basically is almost yeah. exactly what the Muslims believe today majority of Muslims it's not in the Quran it's yeah. not in the sayings of the Prophet Muhammad yeah. they've got it from Christians as Christians entered into Islam mm-hmm. right in the centuries after Islam was founded they brought with them a lot of these teachings and a lot of these beliefs mm-hmm. so they held on to their previous beliefs because Jesus was also a revered figure, they continue to believe that he himself will return in person. This is despite the fact that the Quran says many times, up to 30 verses, that Jesus is in fact dead, mm. right? Like all other messages. Muhammad is only a messenger. Verily, the messengers before him passed away. Mm-hmm. Very clear statement. Jesus was a messenger. He was before the Prophet Muhammad. He's passed away, right? So the concept of the Messiah is that he, among Sunni and Shia Muslims is to encapsulated really simply he will come back Mm -hmm. there'll be the Mahdi who will be born amongst the people Mm -hmm. who will actually be the leader of the Muslims and the Messiah will be a helper to the Mahdi Mm -hmm. right and together they will wage war against the Muslims so this is what Saudi Salafi means sorry uh, well probably (laughs) in their conception against Muslims who don't adhere to their understanding of Islam either and he will effectively offer people only one of two choices according to them okay this isn't in the original texts this isn't in the Quran. This goes against the teaching of the Quran. It goes against the teaching of the Prophet Muhammad. But they believe he'll offer people either death or conversion. Yeah. He'll say, convert to Islam or I'll kill you. And he will have, you know, I don't know what army he'll have or what technology he'll have and how he'll be able to fight nuclear bombs. Mm. I don't know that. But this is what they believe. Yeah. Um, and then he will wage a jihad, a, a physical jihad of fighting, of killing, and that the world will be converted to Islam. And then he will distribute so much riches yeah. to the, all of the Muslims that they will become inordinately wealthy as if Dubai isn't <laughs> yeah so this is basically the kind of fantasy of yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately a, a lot of a, a lot, at least many Muslims and in particular ones of a more extremist bent or you can see it's clearly inspired a lot of that extremism yeah uh, because you know for instance <clears throat> ISIS were all about that they're basically like an apocalyptic cult yeah they believe that they were setting up the state for Jesus to return and then give them help yeah okay and um and I guess this this idea of a, of a jihad, so-called jihad, against the non-Muslims kind of comes from this conception of what they think will happen anyway, right? Yeah, that's correct. Well, that's what the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, uh, yeah. Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, peace be upon him, he stated in his you know seminal work, Jesus in India, opening chapter. You know, I read Jesus in India when I was 15 or so. Mm. I remember reading it and like the entire opening chapter is about jihad. Mm. I'm like, I remember thinking like, <laughs> what's this got to do with Jesus? <laughs> yeah. 
But then he explains it, and then I've read the book many times since. Now I really understand it because, you know, mm. when you're 15, you don't get everything. But the introductory chapter, he explains that all of the roots of modern-day extremism, and th- he was writing in 1906, I think he wrote this book. Mm. You know, so all of the roots of modern-day extremism lie in the beliefs that uh, Jesus will come back and he'll be a warlike, you know, as if to make up for his teaching of turn the other cheek, this time he's going to go in the exact opposite direction. Mm. And so when you expect God to send a messenger who's going to do something, you can't possibly think it's going to be that bad for you to do it. In fact, you probably think if you get the ball started, right, yeah. start start the ball rolling, yeah. you know, killing these God, you know, these uh, disbelievers, etc. Yeah. Then when he when Jesus comes, he's going to support you. That's their belief. Yeah. So that's actually what inspires this this perspective and i think this is really important because a lot of people have this perspective that um oh if you didn't have like the u.s and the west funding saudi and wahhabism you know this you'd ne- you wouldn't have any kind of extremism and undoubtedly there is a significant contribution and um propagation through funding and through you know support from other nations but at the end of the day there is a root of this which yep. is doctrinal yeah which is um mainstream in some forms well really actually in this form yeah um amongst you know, Sunni and Shia Muslims at large. Yeah. But our point is that actually that has no support in the original teachings. Well, no, it's contradiction by the original teachings. Yeah. In fact, the Prophet Muhammad... So, to, to, so I mean, do we want to go through that? Go back to what Dune said and, and the claims that it made? Yeah, so, I mean, let's let's briefly... Um, let's Before we get to that, let's briefly discuss this idea of the Messiah and the Mahdi. Are they two separate people or are they combined Yeah, in so one? that's a good example. So, like, you know, in the original um, statements of the Prophet Muhammad, he's very explicit that they are the same person. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's very explicit that they're not two separate individuals. They're the same... They're different titles for the same person. Okay. And in fact, if you go back through the, through the actual religious text he's got more than two titles he's got quite a few titles Mm. like harith is one of his titles Mm. so um which means the harvester or the gatherer Mm. right so So can you give me any quotes of that of of yeah so for example in sahih muslim it says which means um what will be your condition in other words it says like you know how bad will be your condition if i say if i say like what's going to be your state it's like yeah it means it's it's a terrible state you'll be in so he's the prophet muhammad peace be upon him said what will be your state when the son of Mary appears among you, now the word uses is descends, but yeah. in Arabic that can simply mean appear, mm-hmm. right? So for example, in the Quran, it talks about how cows have descended from heaven, how iron has descended from heaven, yeah. how the Quran has descended from heaven, how the Prophet Muhammad descended So it doesn't mean literally physical, physically mean dropping physical. from the sky, it no. means uh, a grace of God which has come down. Yeah, right? you know, because nobody sees cows and cattle descending from heaven, but it says yeah. in the Quran, you know, even says in the Quran, we've sent down for you clothing. Yeah. So this is important for Muslims because they say, oh, it says Nuzul. Yeah, right? so it says descent, descent. Exactly. But no, it just, it, it, that's why I've translated it as appears because yeah. it doesn't mean descend literally. Okay. So, so the quote so, means... so he said, what will be your state when the son of Mary, Jesus, yeah. appears among you and he and will be your imam from among you? Yeah. And, and your imam from among you is literally the words. It's yeah. like a direct, uh, he, you know, he appears among you and, and your imam from among you. Yeah, right. clearly implying it's the same person. Yeah, well, he's the subject of the statement, isn't he? And then there are other statements, for example, which are even more explicit, um, like in um, uh, Ibn, Majah. Ibn Majah, the Hadith collection, where he says, la illa Isa. There is no Mahdi except Isa. Hmm. 
So there was no Mahdi except Jesus. Now that's curious because actually the um, the what you said earlier is that the Quran explicitly says that Jesus, peace be upon him, has died. Yeah. Right. The messengers, Muhammad is only a messenger, peace be upon him, and the messengers before him have passed away, including Jesus. And there are so many other statements. So Jesus has passed away, but the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, says that the the son of Mary will appear amongst the Muslims yeah. and will be the guided leader, the Mahdi. Right. So he's saying that you know the son of Mary will appear and he'll be a Muslim. He'll be the guided leader. Uh, to reform the Muslims, how does that work? What does that mean? Well, uh, you know, I think the point um, in particular is that um, what is the why call him Jesus? Yeah, that's my yeah. What why? Why call him Jesus? Why not you just know? say there's going to be a Matthew? Why not just say there's going to be a reformer? Well, because it tells you a lot more, right? Right, because the Prophet Muhammad stated that the condition of the Muslims would be the same as the condition of Jews at the time of Jesus. Now, what was the condition of Jews at the time of Jesus? Mm -hmm. You had a people who were extremely literalistic, had lost really the spirit of their law, their teaching that was given by God. Um, they were all about political um, dominance. They wanted to achieve political dominance of the Romans politically, yeah. which is why they they, they had a, a sect literally called the Zealots, who were basically terrorists, which means the extremists. Which right? means the extremists. <laughs> you know, they would go around stabbing civilians, stabbing Roman soldiers, even mm -hmm. killing Jewish people who disagreed with them. Mm -hmm. Very similar to Muslim extremists today. Mm -hmm. um, they eventually took power after Jesus left Judea and after his crucifixion. They established the state of Israel. Yeah, the state. Sorry, the state of Judea, rather. I should say they mm. should. They established the state of Judea in after the series of Roman wars, Roman Jewish wars mm -hmm. from the first and second century. So there are lots of similarities. You know, right? just like ISIS set up the state of the you know the yeah, the, yeah. the whatever they called it. I don't know what do they call it. Their state. You know, the Islamic state. Or the Islamic state, right? Yeah, they yeah. set up in in the in the same kind of region, the Levant. Yeah. The these were the early zealots, the early ISIS of the Jews, who set up the Judea, the state of Judea, and just like the Islamic State lasted for three years, pretty much, and then it was destroyed. Mm. Exactly the same thing happened to the Jews. So the point I'm making is that the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him stay, stated, um, he said, "You will follow the ways of the Jews as mm. one shoe is equal to another shoe. You'll mm. be identical." In fact, he said that every single sin that the Jews will have committed in the past, mm. you, the Muslims, will repeat. Mm. So he said, he, he said, he said, even if a Jew had committed adultery with his mother, mm. there'll be a person in my ummah, in my, among my followers who will do the same. Right. And, and that's, you know, that's significant because the, in the Quran talks about how the prophet Moses was actually the prototype for the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Correct. Yes. You know, he was a great law bearing prophet that would have a, you know, a long lasting people yeah. uh, that would have many saints and even prophets among them. Yeah. Uh, and therefore by saying that the condition of the Muslims would be like the conditions of the Jews, it reinforces that idea that what happened amongst the Jewish people would happen amongst the Muslims. And I guess your point here is that in the same way that, you know, if the problem is the same, the solution is going to be the same. Yeah. You need so, a Jesus. You need a Muslim. Jesus. So what was the so yeah the solution was for the Jews Jesus yeah. be upon him uh, who so, was apolitical yeah you know he was not political you know, he render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and that which is that which is unto God to God so he said that um, you know this idea this statist idea that you have that you're going to have some kind of reformer who's going to come and wage war against the Romans and emancipate your people politically this is a completely wrong conception I've come from God to spiritually purify you and to return you to the true law of Moses whereby you may be spiritually and morally cleansed yeah because at the end of the day, political and economic degradation is secondary to spiritual and moral degradation mm. that's actually the secret yeah. Okay. You don't reform because there's a thousand political reformers the Prophet Muhammad could have prophesied about. There have yeah. been thousands of political wars in Islam amongst Muslims, between Muslims and Christians. You know, he didn't mention any of, he mentioned some of them, but as prophecies, but 
the major prophecy the Prophet Muhammad made the was about cure. the cure was well, the major prophecy he made in you know out of all of his prophecies hmm. were was about the Mahdi and there's such an abundance of ones about the Mahdi and the Messiah right um so it's quite clear that you know actually the fundamental issue is your spiritual and moral degradation hmm. because that's the point he's making here he's not saying in this statement the, either of these statements I've caught, read to you that there'll be nothing left of the Quran nothing left of the mosques He's talking about their religious and spiritual condition. Mm. He's not saying that they'll lose their political power isn't it a terrible thing. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if people who don't even practice Islam properly lose their political power, then what's it got to do with the Prophet Muhammad? Yeah. He's not interested in their political condition. He's interested in their spiritual condition. Mm. Okay, so let's just recap then. So what we're saying is that um, the idea of the Mahdi has an Islamic basis. And June, you know, June is right to talk about the Mahdi in a way, right? Yeah. Because it has an Islamic basis. In the Islamic prophecies, in the uh, Hadith, and these also have support in the Holy Quran, uh, you have the idea of the Mahdi, the guided reformer, who is said to also be the Messiah, yeah. right? The son of Mary, the Messiah. Hmm. The reason why this individual is called the son of uh, Mary, i.e. the Messiah, is because he will be like Jesus was unto the Jews. Yeah. So 1,400 years after the you know, you could say it's 1400 years after the prophet Moses, peace be upon 1300, him. 1300, 14th 13, century. In the 14th century after yeah. the prophet Moses, peace be upon him, Jesus came in the same way in the 14th century and 1300 years after the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Yeah. You find exactly the same conditions amongst the Muslims. Yeah, they've and lost their political power. Yeah. You know, Western nations have taken over them. Yeah. Um, exactly the same thing happened so, to the Jews. The Romans took over them, etc. They were so, in a political position of political weakness. Mm -hmm. So this is why the same descriptor was used, but it doesn't literally mean Jesus is going to somehow come back because the Quran is quite clear that Jesus, peace be upon him, has died like every other prophet. So someone will come from the Muslim ummah who will be guided by God to reform the Muslims spiritually. Well, I mean, this is, I mean, even the statement I've made, you know, I've quoted from the Prophet Muhammad. Hmm. You don't even need to say, well, it's because Jesus is dead from the Quran. The Prophet Muhammad himself here says he will be an imam from among you. Yeah. Now, how can you be an imam from among the people hmm. if you've come from 2,000 years ago? Hmm. You're not from among the people. You're from 2,000 years ago. Hmm. Like, there's no such thing as being among you and being from 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, and the Prophet Muhammad, the Quran is very clear. It says, "We, you know, the the God always appoints a messenger from amongst the people to whom He has sent." Yeah, because a person from two thousand years ago cannot be an example for people of modern day. Now that's an interesting point because that that brings us into the second bit about about June, which is that um, in June. Paul comes and he is obviously said to be. Why the did Mahdi. they choose Paul as the name? Of I don't all know the why. names. <laughs> it's the least epic name of all time. Um, yeah, so Paul, uh, he comes and he's not from the sort of the Bedouins in the desert, right? Yeah. He's from this great family. Yeah. And he's basically an outsider. A trade okay. a trades? The yeah, family the of house Atreides, of trades, house right? of trades, yeah. So he's come from the house of trades. He's an outsider who has to be accepted in and the implication is, is that he's going to be someone who comes from the outside and then leads the, the Bedouin people in this, you know, war in this emancipation. So this idea, let's let's say the Bedouin are um a metaphor not for the Muslims but for the Arabs. Right, the Bedouin people of Dune are a metaphor for the Arabs, and someone comes from outside who is going to be the Mahdi. Does this have any support in Islam? Yeah, it does. So the Prophet Muhammad made it clear that the Mahdi wouldn't be an Arab. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the beginning of chapter sixty-two of the Quran, <clears throat> it states that um, uh, it, it states that he it is who raised among the unlettered people, in other words, the illiterate people, a messenger from among themselves who does various things. So he recites unto them his signs and purifies them and teaches them the book and wisdom, although they had been before that in manifest misguidance. Mm -hmm. And then the next verse, it says, and among others from among them who have not yet joined them. 
So he will be raised among others. Yes, and he'll be raised. So just as it says in the first verse, he it is who raised among the unlettered people, a messenger who does these things. The next yeah. verse then says, and he will raise him again amongst another people. Yeah. And the Prophet Muhammad... Who have not yet joined them. Who so have not yet temporal joined issue. the first. So he, they will also be companions. Yeah. They all, but they will be from a different people. They will not be from among the unlettered people of Arabia. They'll be a completely different people. Uh-huh. Right? So when this verse was revealed, the companions thought, well, what this means is that it means the second coming of the Prophet Muhammad. Mm. Peace be upon him. And so they asked him, so one of the, this is narrated in Sahih Bukhari, the most authentic book of uh, narrations and prophecies, mm-hmm. you know, narrations. So, you know, Abu Huraira, who was one of the um, companions of the Pro- uh, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, you know, he asked the Prophet Muhammad when this verse was revealed, he says, while we were sitting with the prophets, Surah Al-Jumma was revealed. And when the verse, and he, Allah, has sent him also to others, he said, who are those amongst whom... Um, yeah, who are those amongst whom you will be sent? Who are these others? Who are these others to whom you will be sent? Mm-hmm. So he asked the question, he assumed that it'll be you, but who are these other people mm. right, you're going to be sent to? And the Prophet Muhammad actually didn't answer him. And then he repeated his question a second time. Then he repeated his question a third time. Mm. And the Prophet Muhammad put his hand then on Salman al-Farsi, who is a uh, companion of the Salman the Persian. Mm. He's one of his companions called Salman. One of the only non-Arab one of the, you know, the, companions. Well, the only non-Arab in that circle, yeah. you know, in all likelihood. So he chose the one person who wasn't an Arab, and he said, even if the faith were to ascend to the Pleiades, the Pleiades is a constellation. Yeah. Even if faith, Iman... Escapes Earth, basically. Escapes Earth, yeah. right? It's no longer found there. A man from among Salman's people, from among the Persians, yeah. will bring it back to the Earth, right? Mm. So what that means is, it's very interesting, because the Prophet Muhammad was asked, who are the people to whom you will be sent? Mm. And the Prophet Muhammad actually, he answered that question, but he answered it by telling him an answer which was different to the question he asked. Because mm. he asked, who are the people who among whom you, the Arab Muhammad, peace be yeah. upon him, will be sent? Yeah. And he answered by saying, it's going to be a Persian. The person is the, the person, person who's going who to brings be sent the faith back to earth. It's going to be a non-Arab. Will be a non-Arab. He'll be from among the Persians. Mm. So then the question is, well, how could the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, come back as a Persian? Mm. He's an Arab. Mm. You can't change your ethnicity. Mm. If you're the same person, you're going to have the same ethnicity, right? Mm. So... It's an extraordinary answer he gave because mm. it it explains in a nutshell the entire concept of the second coming mm. of any prophet is quite similar to what Jesus you know said himself when he was asked you know why how are you the Messiah when um, Elijah the prophet Elijah from hundreds of years previously was prophesied that he would return to the earth yeah. before the coming of the Messiah and Jesus says what did he say he said you know um, Elijah has come. But you did not recognize him and you persecuted him in diverse ways. You did whatever you wanted to him, mm. right? And they said, well, who is it? And then he said, it's John the Baptist, mm. right? Now, John the Baptist was his cousin, born of Elizabeth, raised on it, it, as a person in that day and age. Yeah. But the, prophet, but the prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, said, actually, he is the second coming of Elijah. Right. So both Jesus and the prophet Muhammad explained in their own ways, the concept of a second coming of a prophet doesn't mean the same person it means the same person a, a different person with the same function mm. you know and, and and people do this all the time they name their children after the name of famous people or people that they love yeah in the hope that they will actually have some of the qualities of that particular individual muslims do this all the time so you know a lot of muslims are named muhammad why is that why is muhammad just overtook i think it was in the news just overtook you know it's the top most popular boy's name in england now mm-hmm. in england Okay, it's Muhammad. Awkward. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit awkward, isn't it? <laughs> All of us Muslims are like, oh, sorry about that. Well, we're not actually that sorry, but um, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Um, and why is that? It's because all the people, all the Muslims' parents, they want their children to to 
to demonstrate the 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 qualities of Muhammad, peace be upon him. Yeah, I mean, you see, even in science, right? You say this person's like, you know, they 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 call various people like the second Einstein, or yeah. the second Newton, right? Yeah, Feynman was called the second Dirac. Was he? Yeah, yeah, but they said this time he came back as human because uh, Dirac was a bit odd. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this you, you, this is a very common thing where you apply an epithet to someone to indicate the qualities of the forerunner. Yeah. Right. So what you're saying is that this is something that Jesus, peace be upon him, said with John the Baptist has come back uh, yeah. is is the second coming of Elijah. Yeah. And the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, has said that his second coming will be a man from the non-Arabs from amongst the Persians of Persian descent. Should we break it to the people? Should we just, just end the end the crippling? Well, I mean, obviously, we're from the Ahmadiyya community. <laughs> and the crippling suspense for them. Sure, but we're from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And um, yes, obviously, we believe that the founder of our community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Ghadian, was that individual. He claimed to be the Messiah and the Mahdi. Right. He claimed to be the second coming of Christ. And he clarified all these. And he clarified. And he's the one who gave us this understanding. We didn't yeah, come yeah. up with this ourselves, did we? Uh, no, yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. So this is the reality yeah. Okay. And this of, is the only way you can actually make sense of the Quran and, and the prophecies. Yeah. I mean, otherwise you just think of otherwise religion is fairy tales. Yeah. You know, Jesus is going to come down with a big sword and kill all the non. Really, is he? Okay. Well, you know. <laughs> well, then you know it's a completely un-Islamic teaching. Mm. It's it's a fantasy, right? Yeah. Well, of, the Quran says like Rahafidin, and the Quran says like Rahafidin, there is no compulsion in religion. Lakum dinukum waliyadin for you your religion for me my religion. Right. So that actually comes on to the to the last bit. So in June he's then talking about the you know says the fanatical leader of a fanatical religion and there's clearly you know the whole thing is about that there's going to be a coming war between these bedouin people and the uh these great powers these great space-faring powers yeah. you know and the only way you can win it is if you have this mahdi character leading them yeah. so the idea there was well, because arrakis the planet which yeah. he's gone to is being exploited politically yeah so it is, it, it is being the soil of the of the place is is a special compound which enables interstellar flight right which is oil which is basically oil. It's, 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 <laughs> so it's Frank Herbert did that pretty explicitly because he was living through the OPEC crisis, through the mm. uh, Iranian uh, deposition of Iran. Mm. And there was a history, obviously, in the 19th century of BP taking over the oil fields in Iran, etc. Yeah, yeah. Persian Anglo corporation, Anglo yeah. whatever. <laughs> so, you know, he knew all of that. And basically, he used spice as a kind of sci-fi metaphor for oil. Yeah. And this is, this is what he gets wrong. Well, I mean... Yeah, well, the, the geopolitical stuff he gets right, but the point is, is that the Mahdi isn't there to yeah. help you keep your oil. But he's, <laughs> I mean, he's that's not his purpose. But he's representing what we've said is that this this common misconception amongst the Muslims. Yeah, and he's taken that from the Muslims. Be, there's going to be a physical holy war. Whereas, uh, you know, what's the reality when the Mahdi and Messiah comes back in the prophecies in the Hadith? Is there any evidence that there's actually going to be a physical war that he's going to lead a physical war or not? Yeah. So the Prophet Muhammad explicitly stated, "Yad al Harb," mm. you know, he will end war. Yeah. In other words, you know, he will not, he will not be uh, fighting. And then there's another hadith of Sahih Muslim where it talks extensively about mm. the coming of Jesus, and it says, "God will reveal the Messiah." Yeah. Yeah. God will reveal to the son of Mary, the Messiah in that age. He will reveal to him that um, I have raised two nations, mm. Gog and Magog, mm -hmm. whom no one can contest. Mm -hmm. Don't bother. Don't even think about fighting these people. Mm -hmm. Okay. You will be. You will lose. You will completely be crippled. Okay. Mm -hmm. God says, do not consider fighting them, who no one can fight. So ascend the mountain and pray, and your prayers will melt them as salt is dissolved in water. Mm -hmm. All right? So the so-called jihad of Jesus, explicitly by the Prophet Muhammad, is not a fighting worldly... Of the second Messiah. Of the second Messiah. That's correct. Yeah, yeah sorry. Jesus, the second, you know, the second coming of Jesus, is explicitly also known as the Mahdi is explicitly not a warlike process. Yeah. It is pray. 
Yeah, it is actually go away from war. It means go, go away from that. It goes to go into the mountains, which is the mountain. What is the mountain? The mountain represents God. Yeah. It represents the teaching of God, mm. right? Going, ascending the mountain. All the great prophets have ascended the mountain. Mm. You know, that's how they, you know, Mount Sinai, Jesus in the wilderness, the prophet Muhammad on, um, in Hira. the cave of Thor, you know, in, in Mount Hera, etc. You know, they all spend decades, years praying in the mountain. Mm. What does it mean? It means to turn to God. Mm. So, and he said that your prayer will melt them. And who are Gog and Magog? They are, um, from our understanding of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, they're the civilization of capitalism and communism. Right. So the US is the, the Soviet bloc and the, and the Western bloc, basically. Two major nuclear powers. Uh, you know, Gog and Magog, actually, the Arabic is Ya'juj wa Ma'juj. And that comes from the root Ajij, which means fire. Yeah, the, the civilization of fire. Civilizations of fire. Um, so, and, and actually the Bible in Ezekiel makes, makes clear that, you know, who, who they are. But we can uh, we can talk about that maybe maybe another time. So you have this idea of Gog and Magog, two major civilizations. Just to talk about this for one moment, the Ajij, you know, these are the civilizations of fire. I mean, mm. our modern day civilizations of capitalism and communism have uh, used fire in to its to a level which has not been seen in any other civilization, and it's almost like a hallmark of it in transportation, in weaponry, in, in industry, industry, and, and war. Yeah. war. I mean, fire has been used in the properties of fire, mm. you know, to an extraordinary extent. Hmm. That internal combustion engine is, you know, revolutionized the world. What was that? It was fire. Yeah. Okay. So you have Gog and Magog, these two major civilizations in this age, which are fighting each other and which have, you know, been hot wars and cold wars. Um, and uh, you have this Mahdi figure who comes, the Messiah Mahdi, who comes and doesn't engage with them and actually says that we are going to emancipate ourselves through spiritual means, yes. through prayer. Well, that's what Jesus did. Exactly. And, and that's what Dune gets wrong, because Dune is going off the common misconception of the Muslims can't blame Frank Herbert too much. I mean, he's taking them out for their word in, in a way. But actually, when you deep dive deeper into the Islamic theology, this becomes clear. Now, I guess... And in, in Frank Herbert's book, he does make it explicit that this is Muslim, doesn't he? I mean, you're uh, telling me that one of the books is actually called like... Uh, the Butlerian Jihad. Yeah, but I think that's a later book. I'm not sure that was his, his original. Yeah, and in the book, apparently, he, the word jihad is bandied around. It's used. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's what they're doing there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, very, it's very thinly veiled, isn't it? Um, so it's, Yeah, not even thinly veiled. <laughs> <laughs> what we see in June, therefore, is a movie that gets some things right about Islam, um, gets the idea of the Mahdi correct, um, insofar as there is a prophecy in the end times, in this case, takes 20,000 years into the future. Mm -hmm. um, and... But they get the function of the Mahdi completely wrong. Yeah. Okay, the function of the Mahdi is to be a spiritual reformer at a time of spiritual degeneration. Yeah. And we in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community believe that that Mahdi has come. That's why we're covering this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, his Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad. Mirza Ghulam Ahmad is yeah. his name. He was born 1835, died in 1908, mm. and he was a promised Messiah and Imam Mahdi. Mm -hmm. And he came and he explained all of these things. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're going to be covering a lot of the signs of the Mahdi, the signs of the Messiah. Mm -hmm. What are the changes in the 20th century that were prophesied in our next video, I think. And when we look at what Joe Rogan has to say on the topic. And we also cover that in uh, an article, which we're going to put in the link below about signs of the latter day. So if you want to kind of, you know, uh, someone wants to check that out ahead of time, then they can do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Should we check out the next video? Yeah.